0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. I'm super excited to start the series of Psyche. I have Coach Cam on the show today. Coach Cam is a speaker, a consultant, a coach, an author. He also has an athletic construction business and has worked in that industry. Um, He started his first industry job in Houston, his hometown, and since then he's really hit the ground running in multiple departments, including sales and marketing, and then leaning towards an entrepreneurial calling where he launched a five-star academy, and that's where he began his speaking career and consulting career, and then later went on to do coaching as well. So we're going to be talking about his journey within the sports and athletic industry leading to coaching and how he prides himself on the impact of his work in the community more than anything else. He is always contributing towards change and breaking inequality barriers and I think it's going to be a really insightful conversation.
1: Hey Coach Cam, welcome to Unplug with Annie, thanks for jumping on.
2: Thanks for having me, I appreciate it.
1: So I'm really curious to hear more about your story and, um, you know, you've done so many different things and, and, delved into different industries from athletics to marketing, entrepreneurship. So tell us a little bit about, about your journey essentially in a nutshell, if you, if you can, if you can fit it all in and a bit about what you're currently doing today.
2: <laughs> um, what I say is, is all my life. Um, I ran probably from the one thing that I was supposed to be doing. And I don't say that, uh, regrettably, um, in that running, I learned so much about myself. And so, uh, from a very young age, I was an entrepreneur from like nine years old tying a lawnmower to the back of my bicycle and just, you know, kind of just a kid hustle, you know? And I think that so many times in, in our, education space in our learning space you know we're taught how to you know how to work at apple we're not taught how to be steve jobs right and um i i'd say that i spent a good chunk of my time what i call doing god's work and so coaching um working education working in nonprofit, you know candidly not earning a lot but really refining my skills, learning what I was good at, and um, and failing. I mean, I spent a lot of that time failing, which I feel like is something a lot of people don't talk about because it's not sexy. And <laughs> so I'd say the turn, of the, the turn of the corner for that for me was, you know, really my last kind of go at the corporate space, which is kind of where I earned the nickname Coach Cam. And I was coaching at the high school level here in Houston, and having a lot of success, but just understanding that there's a difference between, you know, doing purpose-filled work and doing your life's work. And I I made the transition. I, I chose to, you know, as I call it, trade in to trade up, um, which that trading isn't always comfortable, <laughs> right? But, I mean, I, I wake up every day, so, I mean, even the high anxiety days, I struggle with the anxiety sometimes. but. You know even in those days blessed and happy and purpose-filled and you know to me like that's what this whole thing is about
1: and and i mean i love that i love what you said that there's a distinction how would you if you had to define what that distinction is um what would you say that is between purpose-filled work and you know other other life work
2: yeah so so to me purpose-filled work is um the best way to describe it is like um, really delicious appetizers, right so you know i I thought that my purpose my initial work was helping underserved kids, and I thought it was helping underserved families then I thought it was providing education and these it's all purpose filled everything you're doing gives you value, it gives an ecosystem value, you feel good doing it, but when you allow yourself to just take a step back. You look back and it's like, oh, wait a minute, I've done these five things. Each one of them lit, led me closer to creating a circle. Like, like the life field work is a circle around all the work that you're doing. The purpose field work, um, when you're doing it, it doesn't feel like a milestone, but the purpose field work, there's shorter milestones. And then you take a step back and say like, wow, I've, I've done... These five things are five different areas. This is actually my life work mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about you've written a book, your first book um called alpha redefined i love that I love the name um what was what what inspired you to start writing and and share this story if you could tell our you you know our listeners what what it's about in a nutshell
2: yeah, so um um, I've been called an alpha all my life, right? You're big, you're scrappy, you're athletic, you know how to get girls, whatever, right? And I, I really I really began to loathe being called that, not just because it's somewhat objective or it can objectify, but more importantly, um, my definition of what an alpha is was, was our culture's definition, and our culture's definition is so distorted um and so as i began to be called an alpha and not in a derogatory term oh you're such an alpha you got it done we got to bring in the alpha and it's like well wait a minute like what is what does this word even mean Mm
0: -hmm.
2: right and the deeper i got into the definition of the word the more i understood you know being an alpha is about serving right being an alpha is about not, not necessarily you don't have to stand in front and bark the loudest, but what you do have to do is to protect your pride and protect, you know, your cubs and protect everybody that's under you. That's what being an alpha is about. And so in this book, I do, I map out these 12 servant leadership principles and I marry each one to a different person, in history or time to, to kind of alliterate, not just the common, but the uncommon. So an example would be, like uh, Mahatma Gandhi, right? So by our culture's definition, a small, framed, quiet, meek Indian man is not an alpha. He doesn't beat his chest, he doesn't yell, he doesn't objectify, you know, that's not what being an alpha is. But resigning your entire legal career to do the work and speak for the underserved people who don't have a voice. That's what makes you an alpha. And so that's what the whole book is about, is telling these people's stories through a lens that, that most people don't see them through.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds that sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to read it now. Um, <laughs> when we talk about mindset, and because this series is so much about mindset and uh, success mantras, if you like, like, you know, the, the things that you really live by, um, those set of beliefs that, become useful to us, not not limiting beliefs, but actually help us accelerate in whatever we want to do and even per- to do purposeful work day in, day out. Um, can you talk a little bit about what those mantras would be for you? What are your core beliefs which really help serve you and, and the purpose that you feel you have in your life?
2: Yes. So uh, the first one I'll share, um, you know, COVID is here, no matter the severity of this very moment. Um, My last birthday, um, I was walking and just spending time with God, just reflecting. And um, this thought hit me, right? You're only as blessed as you choose to realize that you are. I typically will go to have dinner and buy myself some, you know, like go shopping for my birthday, whatever, just whatever people celebrate different ways. And while I didn't have the blues, it was like, dang, this birthday sucks. And do I not celebrate it? And then it hit me like, like, Hey, you idiot. How how many millions of people didn't even get to see a birthday this year? Like you're only as blessed as you choose to realize that you are like, you had a birthday in 2019 a lot of people did not have birthdays in 2019 and so that would be the first one I'd say um, the second one is um, in order to get something you've never had you have to do something you've never done and I think that in the success mindset you know success mindset community there is this uh quasi-toxic if I can like this quasi-toxic False positivity, that turns into like a resin of comfort, right? And you know, you, you figure you have a breakthrough, you need to get comfortable, then you get stagnant, then you get complacent, and that the next breakthrough is so intimidating because like everything is levels, right? So the next what it took you to get to level two, it's gonna take more to get to level three, and more to level four and level five, and the fear the unknown, the imposter, the imposter syndrome, those things don't go away. And in, in fact, they become more polarizing the higher up you make it in life. And so, you know, in order for me to get to level two, I've got to do something I've never done because what I've done so far has only got me to level one.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
2: you know, that statement is kind of my pushing in back to say like yes you've had some success and you can quit now and, and, and live a good life and you've been blessed and all that kind of stuff like that but if you really are who you say you are you're okay being pushed and sometimes you got to push yourself in the back and so the idea of to get what you've never had you have to do something you've never done is the second one i share
1: wow so, yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely resonate with that, that each new level kind of demands a different version of you. And I love that you, you're you know, you're emphasizing how um, you do have to change something in order to accelerate and reach that next level. How do you, what is the best way of determining that? How, how do you know what that thing is that you're supposed to do? Is it just about trying different things and seeing what works? or for you what has that thing been
2: so the first thing i say is the indicate the indicator of comfort and so when you are working on a project and you wake up and and you think to yourself "Hmm, i got this right that that's that's the beginning of comfort creeping in and you do want to feel like you're on solid ground sometimes i don't want to say that you always want to feel like you're on rocky ground but the rocky the rocky ground are where the legends are made right and so you know it's being honest enough with yourself to say like okay okay cam you figured out you know seven of ten of these modules so you've got three more to figure figure out which one do you suck at the most (laughs) um and and be willing to like work on your weaknesses I don't know that weaknesses ever become a strength like I I am a visionary creative like highly just like I can cast a humongous vision my my weakness is okay I've cast this great vision now what's step one (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) yeah
2: And, and so I work on being analytical I work on systems I work on processes I work on um, resisting the urge to do, and implanting the, the the need to think, right? And so I don't know that the next step implementation will ever be a strength, but the idea of all of my weaknesses leveling up time after time after time, then at some point you'll reach true mastery, right? That, that And not just mastery of a skill, but almost like that Uh, nirvana enlightenment type of mastery where okay this is my grand vision Um, I know that I don't know so I'm going to take a step back and journal now who do I need to build on my team to make this happen and what resources do I need to provide to them to be successful and how do I incentivize them so they enjoy this journey with me because the fact of the matter is you know if you have a bold daring vision You can't go, you know, they say if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, you have to go together, right? So you have to then recruit a team who can see the vision you cast, but also believe in you enough to understand that the moment I get up here and tell you I know everywhere to go, y'all come pull me down because I don't know. Um, And it takes a level of humility and hubris within me to say, look, guys, follow me. You're going to love this journey. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to grow. You're going to grow. We're going to go fast sometimes. We're going to go slow sometimes. But who's down to go? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that if you can be that honest, no, number one, you'd be surprised how many people are down for the challenge. But two, you'd be surprised how many people want to see you be successful. And not just self-serving. They don't want to see, you know, they want to see you Reach that vision that you have cast.
1: Wow! Yeah, yeah, for sure. You you mentioned you touched upon obviously the pandemic and everything that you know 2020 has been about. And um, were there specific challenges that you faced at this time? Because obviously it's thrown us into a very uncertain situation. I mean, multiple things. I just feel like so many things are going on in the world. Um, but how have you been able to kind of maintain your you know, your focus and your hustle towards achieving whatever it is that you, you know, the desires of your heart and the goals and the visions that you have. Um, Has there been moments where you've kind of second guessed whether it's even going to be possible or has it just got you thinking in a different way? How has the experience been for you?
2: Well, the first thing I say is, um, authentically, I try to, there's an opportunity in every setback right so i i have a consulting company um i have a sports construction company and also obviously i'm a speaker and content creator um so the first thought is my sports construction stopped right the the business we had came to a halt that's not great unless you think for a second you know what i could have been a hundred thousand, I could have been a quarter million dollars in good debt because I've had projects that are out that obviously you get to, you know, reap the benefits of once they're completed. I could have been a quarter million dollar in the hole, quarter million dollars in the hole with no prospect of this money being paid back. So the fact that we didn't have any outstanding projects at the time is actually a blessing right the second thing and the same thing with the public speaking right so i typically travel two to three times a month across the country to give live talks and that industry is not you know the same it's not the same Mm -hmm. um and so you could see that as a setback or you could say you know what you wrote a book in at the at the end of 2019 you started writing the curriculum for your course at the beginning of 2019 or 2020 rather um, my course is live, it's for sale, it's doing well, it's supplanted the income that I would have made as a speaker. But more than that, the content of the course is exactly what people need right now. And so um the course is called Win the First Quarter of Your Day, a playbook for wealth, health, and success. And I literally started writing that curriculum. The first week in, I mean, is that's why I started twenty twenty writing this curriculum. So the idea that I could create a resource to help people manage their day, to give people normalcy throughout their day, when you've got kids in the background, dogs barking, bill collectors calling, you know, it, it's it's a rough time right now, and you know, I again, there's no way for me to know in January twenty twenty that you know. You there?
1: Got me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No problem. So
2: so there's no way for me to know at the beginning of 2020 what you know what would be a resource and has helped so many people. You know, there's no way for me to know that. And so, um, you know, to answer your question is finding the win in every single loss, and it's only a loss if you choose to see it that way. The last thing I'll say to you in, in answering that question and this is where my athletic background kind of comes in, is you look at people in this space and they've got, I mean, mega machines, 10 to 15, 20 people working in the background and copywriters and ad people and just all this kind of stuff. Well, for the small group like, like we have, this is when we kind of got bold, right? So you look at whoever your big guru guy is, right? Let's just say, you know, Gary Vee, not to pick on Gary Vee, but just throw a name out there. Mm-hmm. Gary Vee's got a machine like like a full-fledged 30 person uh, I can imagine how many millions of dollars right so a pandemic hits him as hard as it hits me and so if I'm on level two and I fall to level one if he's on level 20 and he's falling half he's on right so the idea that I've got the same 24 hours as Gary Vee um, mm-hmm. you know how how does how does camp not not Gary V machine versus Cam's machine how does Cam versus Gary V go toe to toe for these 30 days, 60 days, 90 days to create and and again not not to sell products, not to create revenue, but how do I provide value with my feet on the ground to the earth? And that mentality really allowed me to just create so much so much during the first six months of, of, of COVID that I think it gave me an unfair advantage.
1: Yeah. And it's freeing, right? I think when there's no um, pressure at the end of the day, when you, when you're able to create just for the, for the sake of creating and just loving what you do, I think it's very different. Um, yeah. It's a very different experience. It's a very fulfilling experience. And we don't often get the time to do that.
2: So um, I finished the I finished writing the curriculum in February. We started filming in March. I actually had to film it at my house because you know, you're you locked down. Um, mm-hmm. Finished with production maybe around May June, and then in July I just had mm-hmm. an idea like maybe I should create a digital magazine like. I, I'm a creative person. I'm a visual person. Um, I wonder if those who follow and support me, who enjoy the things that I contribute, would just like to see the things that I like to see. And so I created uh, the digital magazine, Crown and Glory magazine. Mm-hmm. It's complimentary. It's free. It's just kind of my expression, right? Just a passion project. And you know, within the first two months, we've had over a thousand downloads of it um uh, Folks, just like wow, this is really cool. And, and again, it, it, it's aggregated content, so it's it's not you know some of it is my original content, but most of it's just inspirational stuff I see on Instagram or I come across the internet, and it's just my way to package it and say like, if you rock with me, here, like you'll probably like this, mm-hmm. and and it's it's been um, it's been a it's been a sneakily fulfilling. Experience.
1: Wow! Great, great. Yeah, no, I was, I was definitely going to ask you about that. Thanks for, for bringing it up and mentioning it. Um, I mean, another interesting thing that I, I feel like you you touched upon to some degree as well. But what I wanted to know your opinion on was the fact that in order to do this purposeful work, because I know that you're very passionate about community, and you know, making a difference in inequality, um, and and yeah, sharing voices and I think authentic voices too. Um, do you think it's, it's your commercial success which has enabled you to then do more purposeful work? And do you think that both kind of work intertwine that you can't have one without the other? Because a lot of people tend to feel that, okay, there, there, is, there is a dent I want to put in the world. There is something purposeful I want to do, which isn't about me, it's about other people. But I'm not going to really be able to sustain myself from that work.
2: Yes, so what I say is, I think it's actually the inverse. And so a lot of the commercial opportunities that I have now, um, were not necessarily derived from my community work, but because I think that where like so many people today get it backwards is, if I show up looking the part, then I'll get the opportunity. Then I can go back and do the work. Where, at least in my experience, I was doing the work. The work provided blessings. The blessings provided the fancy suit. (laughs) And then by the time the opportunity came, you have true leverage. And so, yes, we can partner. Yes, I'll be a brand ambassador. Yes, you know, I'll whatever our relationship is. But because I have. This social capital and the social equity if we don't align you, some of the consideration needs to go into my pocket some of it needs to go over here because if we're going to partner together you got to understand that you're bringing this with i'm bringing this with me you don't get to just leave this and you know from the commercial perspective Maybe a person would think that that's a yes or a no, but it's extremely attractive. So you got, you know, so, so a lot of it is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. So if you just take Nike and Serena, right? For example, you know, Serena was doing the work in the community, bringing tennis to girls of color, you know, for yeah. years, right? And so when the next opportunity comes, be it Revlon, or whatever, makeup, it's like, yeah, okay, well, I'll represent your brand and we can figure this out, but, you know, this comes with me and this is way more attractive. This, this makes the, the community work makes Serena, in this example, 10 times more attractive to Revlon instead of Revlon signs Serena and now she, they throw her stamp on the scholarship. Well, you know, like if education isn't her primary thing and physical fitness is, you kind of lose you lose your social capital, right? But if you go the other way around and if you do the work first, the blessings will come.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a really important point. It's kind of the preparation, I suppose, behind the scenes, uh, the things people don't see, you know, what are you doing behind the closed doors? Um, I think that's a really important point that you highlighted. For someone like yourself, who is obviously highly ambitious and, you know, you're you're extremely proactive about everything that you want to do and you're prepared to do the work. Obviously, for ambitious people, like that hustle kind of never ends, you know, you, you reach a goal and, you know, whether it's what you've done with construction or, you know, coaching or speaking or writing as an author, it's kind of like you reach that goal and then it's like, what next? Um, and that becomes constant. So how do you find that sense of, of balance and, and I guess peace, with also everything that you've achieved, but it, you know, at the same time, on the journey of wanting to achieve more?
2: Um, I'm not great at it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll um, tell you the
2: truth. I, I, I'll be very transparent with you. There is a, I am um, a person of faith. And I'll say that there is a a tripwire hair between appreciation and ambition. Um, And one of the things I struggle with is taking a step to reflect back on this quarter, this year, this month, because, you know, you just, again, like you said, the ambitious part of you is always striving for more, striving for more. Well, you know, the way I'm able to make sense of it is if you don't have a tone of gratitude, the, the gratitude for me is the, is the is the band-aid for the ambition. And so I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, the turkey drive. I'm grateful for the scholarship. I'm grateful for Coach Cam Christmas wishes. I'm grateful for, you know, the purposeful work. I'm grateful for the tangible things that, that I have through my success. Um, and some of it for me is installing time to sit back and reflect, which again I don't do great. I try to, I try to shut down in December typically, and I, I you know, do a lot of reflecting. It's uncomfortable for me because I'm not the most comfortable person sitting still.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: not very good. I'm not very good at receiving gifts either, right? Or receiving. But you know, I just read a book uh, just last week called "The Go Giver." if you've never read it, phenomenal book. And, you know, one of the five principles is, you know, getting up to the point, like you have to give to receive, but you have to be able to receive, right? Like if, if Anissa has a blessing for me and I'm not able to receive it, like that's selfish on my behalf, but I'm cutting you off from the experience of giving. And so if you do enjoy giving, then you've got to work on being able to receive yourself. And that's something that, you know, again, I'm not great at, in in transparency, but because I do enjoy giving so much, I understand what it's like to be on the other side, like, like, let me bless you, right, like, let me be this for you, and so it, it it does, it is something I'm working on, is being able to receive.
1: Mm, Wow, yeah, I can definitely relate to that, a hundred percent, I, I find myself being quite restless, although I think one thing the pandemic did teach me was this, this, the need for reflection and just kind of sitting back and taking a moment to just appreciate even just the basic thing of being healthy, right? When when so many people have not been. Um, so yeah, gratitude is, is crucial and I will definitely check out that book. Um, my last question then to you, Coach Cam, would just be as a coach, uh, as somebody that people really look up to, uh, do you find yourself sometimes Questioning your um, your uh, the right word would be I guess do you ever struggle with that feeling of being qualified enough to you know guide people in a particular way um, because of maybe lack of accountability for yourself or do you find yourself having to to be accountable to to people yourself in order to kind of go hand in hand with that journey and what I mean is you know, to, to ensure that as coaches, people continue to work on themselves as they guide other people on their journey.
2: Yeah. So what I say to that is um, people People see you. They, 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 see, they, they know your energy. They see you. And they also see your body of work. Um, so to that, I'd say, I don't know that I have as much of a challenge of walking the walk, I guess, you know, because like my body of work is my body of work. And I don't mean that in a braggadocious way. What I mean is one of the first things I'll tell anybody is I don't have all the answers. <laughs> like, like I, I this is what I would do. This is what I would suggest. This is what I've done. This is what I've read. This is what a colleague, right? So I, I may have reference points. Mm-hmm. But the the challenge of the growth mindset sub community is those who get comfortable and they misplace malcontent with bliss, right? Like like we we should never really reach nirvana. We should so so yes. Um, I, I posted recently. Uh, life is a series of duh and aha moments at the same time. Right. And so like you should still be having aha moments. And the moment the, the time that you stop having aha moments, you're a know-it-all. And the fact that in, in the moment you become a know-it-all, you're no longer a value to anyone. And so um, you know, in, in what part of your life, whether it's you know personal relationships, faith, kids, business, whatever, right? That that part doesn't matter. You should be failing and struggling in 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 some part of your life continually but also you should be finding success and success is subjective right so success so here's a great example so um i mentioned i'm a person of faith uh i've never been a very strong bible reader right and so i have my time with god i'll pray um read the bible just wasn't necessarily my thing, you know? So, um, I spent 2020, I started off 2020. Uh, I downloaded the Bible app and I listened to it on my way to the gym. I, for, for the first time I went through the Bible in chronological order and it raised my faith. So, I mean, there are so many stories that either make slip through the cracks or, Stories that you heard that you didn't have the proper context, or this was this person's wife, and this person killed this person, and this (laughs) person's dad four generations ago did this, right? And so it's like, oh, that's what that meant, right? So where I'm going with that is like, I was honest enough with myself not to say like, oh, I got it figured out. I'll put myself on a plan. You know, that's 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 ego. That's me. I got it. I was honest enough to say like, God, I've been walking with you for so long. Yet and still, I don't know your word the way that I should. So, you know, let me just take a digestible bite day by day by day. It's like 10 or 15 minutes. It's easy to to digest. Um, And I fell in love with God in a whole different way that I just, you know, I I, I did not understand the depth of the U.S. legal system is all Bible-based. I mean, the, the whole idea of, you know your your taxes or, or not your taxes, but your debts being on a seven year roll, after seven years it rolls off. The scriptures of like when your neighbor takes you to court, walk along the path with your neighbor and see if you can resolve the issue before you get to the judge. And you know just mm-hmm. there, there's just so many things that I honestly didn't realize my faith was around me all the time in all these different ways, but I didn't know my faith well enough to appreciate them and so you know it's like to answer your question the guy who knows it all doesn't allow himself to be that vulnerable because he thinks he knows everything versus like like can I be even more intimate and and the, and and the ironic part about that kind of going back to the course is I could not imagine going through 2020 without this closer intimate relationship with my faith and with God um, yeah. I, I it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been pretty, right? And so there were times when I just needed the Bible, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's amazing that there's, you know, there's purpose to everything and, and even the fact that this crazy time kind of has enabled us to do more of maybe things that we had on the back burner and just maybe weren't the priority. So I think that's just a great example. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. Well, um, Coach Cam, it was great to have you on Unplug. It was great to hear a bit about your story, a bit about what you're doing. Um, could you just, for the audience, let them know where they can reach you? stay updated with what you're doing, and um, yeah, anything that you you want to leave the audience with.
2: Yes, so uh, on social media, um, um, Coach Cam Cares, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, Um, the course, Win the First Quarter of Your Day, as well as a complimentary Crown and Glory magazine, um, and the book Alpha Redefined, all of those can be found on Coach Cam Courses dot com. And, you know, I guess guess my last thought um, as we wrap is just, you know, like put your feet on the ground, open your eyes and start your day with gratitude.
1: Yeah, great. Well, I love that. Thank you so much again for being on.
0: Thank you for having me. And that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. We're continuing this series next week. Until then, stay tuned with everything Unplug on the IG and Facebook page, Unplug with Annie, and also the website, www.unplugwithannie.com. If you'd like to sign up to the newsletters, you can do so on the website, and you will receive special newsletters every week, way before Sunday's release, so you get to know ahead of time who Sunday's guest is, a little more more in-depth detail about the guest um, and lots more, of course. So stay tuned till next week.